get my nom, nom, nom on with the my top chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. Everybody and welcome to the weekly dish. We're here with the bonus podcast. Second helping. Did we decide we're calling it? Second I think helping? second helpings. We need a name for it because it's always weird to call it the bonus podcast because it's bonus. just a bonus of what uh, we are in the small town within the city environment this morning. Right. Again at Keys Cafe. It's very convenient to the radio station. Right. Just the one off of University. Of course, there's a bunch of keys all over the city, yep. all over the metro. But it's a totally family-run operation. This is, I don't know if this is what the original one, I, th- I feel like the original one was on Randolph. Or is this the one on Randolph? No. I think this is the original. You do? Yeah, I'm sitting underneath a picture of Barbara Hun, who is the founder. It was her family restaurant. And she still works. It was works. on Raymond. Raymond. Says, that, yeah. it, this is Raymond. This so is this Raymond. is the original. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Do you know I'm still working on my St. Paul streets? You know what I mean? Like, sometimes... I live here, and I am. People will say, like, oh, I live on... Well, I was just going to say where I live, but... Yeah. I live over on a certain street in St. Paul, and I'll say, like, oh, I live on so-and-so. And someone will be like, oh, I live on the same first street and then a different second street, but I have no context of where that is. It could be no. a block away or 20 blocks away. I know. I need, like, a main thoroughfare to start and then be able to kind of, like... But St. Paul, I just don't... I didn't grow up. Driving around it's hard. In here, it's, and like so, yeah. that was a harder. That is, and it is such a little town city. You know what I mean? Like with a lot of windy things and neighborhoods, and that's kind of hard. When people say to me, you know, it's over by blah blah blah, I say, give me a restaurant. Yeah, I do too. Because if they yeah. tell me a restaurant, yeah. then I'm like, oh, okay, I know where that is. Well, like you live, you used to live. I think I can say you used to live on Edgecombe. Yeah, and that was for me by the like, frisbee golf course. That for me was like, okay, I know Hanson's on Edgecombe. Like if I have to orient things from there you know yeah and then for a long time I was uh, my ex-husband played hockey so we would go to the hockey arenas and then I would know neighborhoods by the hockey yeah because there's an arena right yeah. over there yeah so that's funny is that funny and edge comes a weird road because oh, it because of the cops <laughs> We were trying to decide if you have to put money in your meter if you're here before 8 a.m. in St. Paul. The answer is no, but no. after 8 a.m. the answer is yes. And then we thought there wouldn't be any cops, but there was a cop car on the street, and I thought, that, that guy's not going to be, they're not checking meters. They're not meters. ticketing. No, they're here having coffee and breakfast, so. And I don't think those kind of police can write tickets. I don't know. I got two tickets this week already, by well, the way. You did? Yes. Why are you not using the parking lot? I app? am. What is I your am. problem? I, I was at Spy House and I was six minutes late and I got a ticket and then I was at a different it's over by where my office is it's terrible so you didn't so like yeah because you're thinking six minutes you can make it to your yeah I just I was in a meeting and I underestimated the amount of time which I always do and then I did it again a couple days later in a different location so yeah that's that's $90 that's just paying for parking basically Anyway, so yeah, so that's <laughs> so that's we've covered streets, we've covered parking. This is why you tune in, right, in the mornings for us. We're not exactly the most 
focused until we have had a lot more coffee, I think. I was saying that I went to the New Standards Holiday Show last night, and I went to Butcher and Boar. Yeah. Lovely. Really lovely. We they've just... had just a lot of different things happening there. I mean, like, they've gone through a couple chefs. I don't remember even who the chef is right now. It was good. Yeah. It was good. It was the long bone was good. Um, that's like this gigantic rib, and it ends up being a hunk of this just delicious shellacked yeah. kind of crispy glazed pot roast is yeah. probably the best way to describe it. The uh, uh, buffalo Brussels sprouts never disappoint with the cider ranch. Right. I love those. That's yeah. one of my favorite dishes. Um, what else did we have? Oh, we had the oyster, wood grilled, wood fired oysters and the I sausages. Like classic. Like it has been there for so long and they have new chefs and all new food and you I just like you those order things. the yeah. same things you always do. And I like the slaw that comes with the sausages. It's kind of a limey, crispy, southwestern slaw almost. Yeah. I had a jalapeno margarita. It was very good. But you didn't do anything new from like their new no. offerings? No. Because <laughs> well, a lot of them had wine in it. They had like a, um, they described it as a chowder that had big pieces of seafood in it. And it had a vermouth sauce, white sauce, which yeah. my husband's allergic to wine. So right. we were kind of all eating family style. So nothing with wine. Though I have to say my daughter had a... Um, old-fashioned yeah that was this like after dinner drink old-fashioned it was black and it was thick like syrup almost I mean not quite syrup but it had a thicker viscosity okay. to it thank you and you're supposed to be right out great thanks um well breakfast has arrived it's a massive cake yeah feel free to eat some um so anyway it was a really beautiful drink it had um amaro it was syrupy, and bitters though, you say that's yeah. so weird kind of thicker and it was pure black oh it's good really good oh and you know what else what? the state theater has remodeled their lobby oh yeah remember how they used to have like that one bar in the middle that you'd have to cluster around you, and like then the try por- to get the in. Porta bar, yeah. like you know, that was so clearly like stuck in a closet at the end of the night. Yes. Yeah. They now have like two legitimate bars. They rebuilt the lobby. So there is a much easier way to get a drink and you're not mingled in necessarily with the people trying to get into the theater at the same time. Oh. It was nice. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is it about theaters that don't can't do lobbies? I mean, like, I don't think they were original. I mean, that's an old theater. I don't think in the day they intended to have like drinks. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose they didn't want you drinking or right. putting bringing drinks into the actual theater itself. So I don't think it was really like set up for it. Hmm. I mean, Pantages has a pretty good. Uh, it's done. Pantages has a. Oh, it's just mushy. It's a little mushy. Yeah, it's all right. It's keys. <laughs> I don't know. That's how That's I feel right. about it. I feel like I don't actually think like anything's going to be superb here. But that's the thing. Sometimes you need food that doesn't. I mean, you, we all agree on breakfast food in particular. Right. Oh, I have the best cava cavatelli. Is that how you say yeah. that? Uh huh. At Red Rabbit this week, I have to say. Yeah. It has. I just. I'm crazy about their homemade sausage. Anytime they put it in anything, it's so good. Really? Yes. Sorry. It's like this uh, white wine kind of buttery sauce with the sausage and then just the noodles and a hit of um, herbs. It's just fresh tasting and the sausage is so good. Yum. Um. We. 
What? Did you eat any good things this week? No, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, let's talk about the thing we're going to talk about. Okay. Which is that um, we decided that we were going to... Here's the deal. The whole Lucky Cricket situation that's kind of been bubbling around town. You know, it's kind of been up and down and up and down. Thank you, ma'am. Uh-huh. And... Um, any coffee for you? Yes. All right. It's been <laughs> one of those things where, you know, trying to figure out... How to weigh in, where to weigh in, all those kind of things. There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of feelings around this. Because when did the restaurant actually open? Because it only opened on November 19th. Okay. So it was. It has not even been open a full three weeks. And have you actually eaten anything? Yes. Okay. I've eaten stuff. And I have too. But the thing is, is you know, the, all the controversy that bubbled up in the beginning, you know, it made basically national news the way that it was, you know, the controversy kind of surrounding whether or not. Well, it actually all stemmed from the fact that Andrew Zimmern uh, gave an, an interview to a young reporter at Fast Company, and that re- young reporter asked him a series of questions, and he answered with some pretty. Pretty, I don't know. I mean, like, it was a pretty loose way of answering. I don't think he was thinking about what he was saying. He was kind of, you know, it was off the cuff. And he said some pretty bad things. It was sort of douchey. It was Um, douchey. He was like, he basically said that he was going to introduce Midwesterners to real Chinese food, not the, you know, Lian Chin and P.F. Chang version of Chinese food. And then he even went a little bit further and kind of dug himself a hole. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say, I don't think what he said was awesome, but I think that it was just ham-handed and douchey and kind of, he should know better. Right. And I'll say that. And, and in the defense of the fact that I don't think, I think it was a little bit of a setup in terms oh, for of, sure. of the fact that it was an off-the-cuff video um, interview, but that also, they've been sitting on that interview for months. Waiting, like knowing what they kind of had, and knowing that it would be controversial, and I don't mind that. That's but it's a little gotcha journalism, which I feel is more inquirer level than you know than what I would say Fast Company would be. Right, who you think is like a legitimate business publication? Yeah. So I I was a little surprised by that, but so the article came out, and he did his mea culpa, which I thought was well done. He wrote a letter to the Star Tribune, sort of an open forum. He basically just wrote it saying, on, yeah, he just put it on his Facebook page, and then they excerpted it. But basically saying, yeah, I was kind of douchey in some of the things that I said. Yeah. And so then you have this thing where then you decide, okay. Well, and let me, let me preface this with saying that I have not weighed in on this, mainly because we are in the process of reviewing it. And so for me, as someone who writes for a publication... It's really all about the fact that, you know, I have I have a, an editorial process. And if I put stuff out there in the middle of it, it kind of ruins what's coming at the end. You know what I mean? It's yep. sort of, so I've been sort of holding. I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his, he opened this restaurant. This restaurant he's partnering with uh, Michael McDermott and Jason Merritt. And they also own Rojo's locally. And they own... Uh, tavern 44 or tavern on france they have a tavern over there yes they do it's the old lou nannies what's it called i'm getting the name oh, wrong it's tavern 23 tavern 23 sorry so they are in partnership with him zimmer is giving editorial direction and uh, it's a 50 50 
It's a 50-50 partnership. They all they each own half. Okay, I didn't think it was. I know, but I know that. Okay, because I am under the impression, and I could be wrong. In fact, I probably you are am. Wrong. Only because yeah, no, I actually cool. asked that question. It. I was under the impression that he was a much more kind of uh, consultant. Nope. Okay, 50-50. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So, so the point of it, this is... And the funny thing is I had this really interesting discussion with Jason DeRusha, who's also in the point of reviewing it now. And I said, he put something on his Instagram that he was eating there. And I said, oh, did you get in trouble from all your, your people? Because right now it's kind of not fashionable to like it in the food set. Yeah, um, because... And that's the part that I... Okay, I ate there. I can tell you I had some dishes I liked, and I had some dishes that I didn't like. Let's also quantify when you ate there. I ate there at a friends and family. So and before it was actually open. That's right. And the friends and family, it's not really considered appropriate to judge harshly because it's a practice round, right? So you're judging people when they're at practice versus at the big game. Right. So that's fair criticism that you that they're there learning different things they're there to make mistakes so that they can correct them before the big game right and then you went later on and I don't know what you can say or can't say in the context of that you guys haven't published your review yet I can say that what has happened since is starting to bug me now because and maybe this is just the way this goes. I don't know. If you're Andrew Zimmern, like people just seem like they have an axe to grind with him, that they're just waiting to have his restaurant fail. Not for the sake that it's good or that it's bad, but that it's simply because it's Andrew Zimmern's and because he said some douchey things to start. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of that. I think that there are people who will happily post horrible things about it who will never go and, ha- and have had never had any intention of going. In terms of on Facebook, I see people responding to other people's things, saying horrible things about it and then saying, I, I mean, I'm never going to step foot in that place. So they've never tried it. They have no desire. I don't mind that either. Like, I get it. Like, there's places that I would never go, you know? I mean, like... And if your position is is that you're not going to support it because you think that what he said was douchey, that's fine. If you're going to not support it because that's not your kind of food, that's fine. Right. But if you're just, like, getting on the bandwagon of some... I mean, it's not... I don't know. I, the whole cultural appropriation of food still sticks in my brain, and I can't get my mind around that. Yeah. I just can't get my mind around that if you are not a Mexican person that you can't cook Mexican food. That if you're not a Chinese person you can't cook Chinese food. Well, I think that's a sticky wicket. And I think that that's actually less of... The funny thing is, is I think that's actually the question that was raised in the beginning, you know, to him. And then his response to that was the problem, not necessarily the actual question of it. So that to me, because it wasn't about... Whether, because they asked the question, like, what is it about, you know, how do you feel like you can be this, like, white guy who represents this food? Right. And, and I think that if he would have given a more intelligently thought out answer, it would have been less of a deal. Because really, I think people who ask that question, it's, it's not as accusatory. It's really just trying to explore the ideas behind this. Because I think most of us know that you can't, you know, food is something that you can't necessarily 
pin down as specifically cultural. Right. Because, honestly, you can't say that Italian food... I mean, tomatoes only came to Italy after Columbus. That's right. Let's be clear about where noodles came from. And if so we're going to culturally appropriate anybody, it would be the Native Americans. And No, we wouldn't because we have... In America, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean, this is the thing. Is like, and, and I think there's something to say about the fact that in our country specifically, we are, we are a place where we have multiple cultures living all together under one. And so then the way that the world has worked with the history of food and the Spice Road and, and, you know, different cultures all over the world is that everybody lends and influences and takes. The reason there's a banh mi on a baguette in Vietnam is because of the French conquering, you know, cultures. But yet, that's not looked at as like a bloody thing. That's a beautiful... The banh mi is a, is a celebrated sandwich. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So... At Voyage Healthcare, we are still open and ready to see you for injuries, chronic conditions, med checks, and acute care. If you are concerned about safety, call to schedule a video visit. If you believe that you have been exposed to the coronavirus or are experiencing any symptoms, please do not come into the office. Call our coronavirus hotline at 763-587-7900. That number is also found on the voyagehealthcare.com webpage. Thanks, my talkers. At Voyage Healthcare, we are here on the journey with you. So the fact that we're in this sort of still in this infancy as a country and trying to figure out we're the experiment in the, in the whole globe about how cultures exist and coexist and influence each other, this Petri dish, it's not going to be easy. And so I think that it's more about the exploration and the discovery and the discussion of that. The problem is he came back with a shitty off-the-cuff answer to someone who wanted to know something. And then he came off as a blustering sort of big white guy. (laughs) And I'm not going to use that term. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just don't like that. I know. But so he... So my thing is this, right? I don't think that there's such thing as a fair shake for this place for a lot of people. And that's my point, is that what happened is... So the reason that we're talking about this today is because uh, a woman named Solejo, who was just named, who's a local writer, but she's lived all over the country. She has a lot of great food writing. Uh, She's written for GQ and the New York Times and everything else. She's got a really social activist bend to her writing. She was just named the uh, restaurant reviewer for the San Francisco Chronicle, Yep, which is... Oh, I mean, we could talk about that in a whole other aspect of which I'm so excited because that town needs her there doing that. Now, she already weighed in slightly on this before going to uh, Lucky Cricket, um, just throughout comments that she's made and people quoted a, a former thing that she written and she they called her for quotes during the initial kerfuffle. But she formally wrote a review of it for Eater National. And she wrote this page, she wrote this article that basically said, you know, let's not even talk about the cultural appropriation. She said, it's just a shitty restaurant. And um, and so I guess my problem with that is that I, like, I mean, I would like to hear what people think about it, actually, on two reasons. One, for the fact that I think it is a restaurant and that you should judge it not only I think you should judge it on both sides you know of of the ways of all things but I also think that it's about the food right but she said to me the hard part is two things is one she said that she went three weeks in well three weeks is only to is on Monday so she did not and if she that posted yesterday which was Friday or was it Thursday 
Thursday, I think. Right. So then she must have have to gone earlier this last week. That's not three weeks, no matter what. Even and if you count so- soft openings, I think that's not fair. Um, so that's the first problem is that she's going during a time and this is my personal belief. A lot of people have other beliefs that if you're open and you're taking money that you're fair game. I understand that. I just don't think as a reviewer that you are actually putting out a record of what that restaurant is until after it's kind of settled into a groove. And so I think that... And what is just for the people that aren't restaurant critics? What's the norm? Well, and let me be clear on this. Besides the fact that I write about this stuff and that I, I I eat in these places, I've opened restaurants. I've opened over 50 restaurants. I I know what those first three weeks are like. And what is kind of considered an industry norm, if there is one? I'd say a month. Okay. I'd say a month is sort of... And there's that's a luxury that we used to, in the industry... We used to give him. We used to give people. We wouldn't even touch a place until it was open. Tomorrow. I know, but and we now can't there's do that so anymore because the, the Instagrammers so fast. Yeah. and all the things have sort of made, has made it so that everybody's reporting on it. And so you're like, well, if I re- if I review this in two months, you look like you're late to the party. We're late to the party. Yeah. And so, and nobody cares. No one's going to read it because these together or separate. Um, together, together. It's fine. Yeah. I'm going to just do as a number um, three. Okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Hmm. So, right. So the point is this: I think that while her writing is important in a lot of ways, and I think she has a beautiful, sharp brilliance to her, I think she came with an axe to grind. I think this it was sure a, felt like it. it but I then think, I will say, like some of the she ate. It looked like she ate four dishes. It looked like she ate the lettuce wraps, the dan dan noodles, um, the uh, roast duck. And then there was one other thing. Oh, the fried rice. I ate one of those dishes that she ripped on, and I did agree with the criticism of the dish. The Dan Dan noodles were kind of boring. Again, you ate them before they were... I did. ...fully done. I kind of can't take... I mean, you have to understand, like, I get what you're saying, but I can't judge. take your judgment as... Because it was a preview party. Like, they probably changed recipes from preview parties. Potentially. You know? That's a thing that happens. So when will you be able to have the discussion with me? Because you've eaten some of the food. Yeah. And it wasn't awesome. Well, let me tell you this. I'll tell you just from what I've heard. Is that, and from basic experiences, is that the things that they hated are things that I've seen other people love. Like people I know and trust. Love. And people I know who have eaten there say this was the best dish. They said they loved the fried rice. Someone tweeted out, someone who I know on their or on their Instagram said that the hand-torn noodles was the best thing that they've had. Someone else replied, wow, yesterday I had them and they were horrible. So what I'm saying is there is no doubt in my mind that consistency isn't there yet. Right. Does that mean that it won't be? I mean, these are this is, this is a different kind of Asian cooking that maybe some of the local cooks are used to. It's the same thing where they have to get used to the levels. And I will say more importantly to me... Because I didn't have an awesome experience, I will just say that. But I also feel like these are professional people. <laughs> they know what the restaurant business is about, and they will fix these things. And long term, maybe there's a place for this that can be a fun place with fun drinks that has kind of that um, hot zone feel to it that's a little looser. Like, she got all up Everyone's in the business mad about of the tiki, tiki bar. And I just think, you know... That's just marketing. Well, I'd also like to say, like, we... 
the problem is is that this kind of idea again this is one of those things and you have to you have to kind of hit some of the other places then you have to be equal in your sort of feelings about those things and you have to say if like you know if david chang puts fried chicken on a menu at you know you you have to get angry about that yeah and you're not gonna get angry about that's that. right and so that's my problem is that like if you're gonna hold that standard up against them then that means that that's your standard and then you have to be you have to be you know economic economical i don't know economic i don't know what's the word why the can't word i say is, it? um it's uh Equal. Equal. Yeah. You have to have an equality about it. Right. So let me just finish because one of the things that um, I want to make my own point through all of this, which I can make and which I'm thinking about writing, I just don't have time to like sit on the Facebook and actually monitor, like meter out this discussion. But this is the reality is all these food kids, all these foodists, this elite, this elite set of eaters who, is ha- who are having this discussion. You know, mostly, this restaurant is not for them. That's right. And it never has been. That's he right. He said it right out in the beginning. And all of them, this is what makes me the most angry. All of them who get so angry about the fact that he may have said that the Midwesterners need, you know, like they keep getting, they keep getting angry because they say, oh, like Midwesterners need Chinese food made palatable for them. Right. They're like, we're not a bunch of like rubes and all this stuff. And I want to say, it's not, he's not talking to you. If you know what Don Don noodles are, then he's not talking to you. Yeah, probably. The whole idea is that, and the other side of it is, and we know this from Weekly Dish because we don't judge people based on their food, you know, elitism. Right. We know that there are so many different levels of palates, and we know that there's so many different levels of flavors and people's spice, you know, appreciations, and it doesn't mean that they're any better or worse than anybody. And this is my thing is, with one face, these elitists yell that we're not rubes in the Midwest and we can handle spice and then at this and then they turn in the with their other face they they rip down our suburban diners because for being for for their bland love of like chilies you know what i'm saying so it's like if chilies is making a lot of money because they can because people are going there that says something Mm -hmm. okay but it doesn't say what they're saying and so they want it both ways and that's what i don't like i don't like hypocrisy like that and so the reason it's at the West End strip mall and it didn't open downtown. The reason that he didn't, he said he will never go to Chinatown and he'll never go to Chicago and he'll never go to New York. It's not for those people. Maybe it's to give people an idea that there can be something like Don Don Noodles. Why is that bad? Well, and I will say, I think in this discussion, what has gotten lost was there are a few people other than him and I'll give it uh, Anthony Bourdain and a few others that have brought culture and food to the American palate in the way that they have. They have opened our eyes to many cultures. Now our eyes were opened in lots of different ways but they visually showed it. They went places we hadn't gone before. They ate things we didn't know about. I I think that's something that is um lost in this conversation like if you're mad at him that he said something stupid okay but let's not forget like how much he has actually done in these communities to bring awareness and just the visual storytelling of the different cultures of food to our to our faces and to our ears yeah he's done that and 
I do feel like it's just people have it out for the guy. I don't feel like he can win either way. No, I, I don't either. And I don't. And I, he made it worse for himself. He did make it worse. Like, here's the deal. I'm not wielding any swords for him. I'm not, like, throwing out, like, you need to treat him nice. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying let's have an, let's have an equitable argument. You know, let's have a, if you're going to say things and at least come to context. Because that is the number one thing that is always important to me in making a judgment about a place. Like this. Like, we're sitting here in this little sweet Keys Cafe. And if I would have taken that pancake or those eggs and taken them and put them in a different restaurant, the I would have been like, would have I would have been completely different. It would have been totally a problem. Because my pancake was a little raw. Yeah, it was a little raw. And, you know, I mean, but this is the point. It's like, we come here knowing this. What is this place? It's kind of a homey... Neighborhood spot. Hometown neighborhood yep. spot. And the expectations are, are where they are. And, and this is the problem. I think the other problem is that he didn't do his himself any favors setting the expectations. Because he was very cloudy about it. He said, it's not going to be authentic, but it is going to be authentic. I'm bringing something new, but also I'm going to treat the Midwestern palate, you know, kind of soft. So... There's a lot of confusion with that place. And the fact that it was tiki and Chinese, I know that's a it's a disconnect for a lot of people. I felt like the review I didn't think too- it was that far because it's Polynesian. I mean, it's all in the Pacific and... I felt like it's kind of supposed to be like the hot zone, like Chino Latino is, where you have sort of an amalgamation of these types of foods that are influenced by each other in this region. It was kind of the way it felt to me. I will say, though, that review was confusing to me because it felt like it was supposed to be a restaurant review, but the whole backstory of this cultural appropriation and the stuff he said was so woven into all of the criticism of the actual dishes, too. And that was hard to, like, parcel out. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, and this kind of goes, there's something in terms of, we're looking at a watershed moment. Um, We're looking at a time when people are trying to figure out how to be good humans and represent good things and do good art, deliver good service, all of this. I don't know if you read Pete Wells' Four Seasons review. I did not. Okay, so this is all tied together. Right now, um, everyone in New York, so the Four Seasons, just a little quick background, you know, obviously, very troubled spot, very historic, legendary spot, um, has gone through a couple of iterations. It's just been redone again and presented out to the public uh, by this, I can't, I, I won't be able to say his name, I can't remember um, let's just call him Frank. So Frank is a restaurateur who has had a lot of issues. He's a person who has uh, abused patrons. He has had uh, he has had sort of um, he has a police record in terms of oh he's got he's been called out for abuse and I mean like he's n- not a nice person I guess is okay. the best thing to say it. Um, and so, but in the New York, we don't know this outside of, you know what I mean? Like, it's not our local restaurant, right, even though right. it's a nationally recognized restaurant. But um, the, I think that most of the media has been kind of waiting to see what the New York Times would do. Like, how would they write the review? Do you cover a guy that's a known jerk and creep? And then how do you, how do you then, because the Times gives stars, how do you then give them an evaluation what metric do you use what are you measuring aren't we supposed to measure just the straight experience the food the environment you need you need to read this review i'm not gonna i'm gonna tell you what he gave so he gave them one star and he said the food was and basically the food was great and everything else made it impossible for him to enjoy that food as it could be enjoyed because he knows all the because of all the stuff that's been created around it but I don't think that's okay because think about all the line cooks and the servers but but and the hostesses and the people that 
come together to make that experience. They're all supposed to suffer a no. one-star review because of the guy's, I don't know, the guy Frank's horrid past and being a belligerent bully. I don't think, see, and I don't ever think of that either because you'd have to then, like, get into the psyche of every host and hostess Well, either. but the restaurant isn't going to do well. The restaurant's not going to succeed because it but got you one star. But and- can you do that as a reviewer? Can you really say that that, would that be your that would be your metric just because it employs people then everybody wins doesn't then there's no point in evaluating because you will always have but he says the food is great he, and he so didn't he, say well he said he this food was good let me just say he said okay the food was well good. if he's to me if he said the food was great or even good and then he gives about a one star because that guy's a creep because how many creeps are there in the world that we patronize their restaurants shop their clothing stores now but this I know is the new hard. metric you I know can't. I know, and it's. I never bought a Michael Jackson album until long after he died. Right. You won't go to a certain restaurant. You're right. Which will only name nameless. You're right. Because you heard something about somebody. You're right. So You're right. these are things. But I'm not a reviewer. I'm a patron choosing to make decisions with my dollars. And he's just, in the end, he's just a person trying to put his opinion out there. And that's the thing. It's like, otherwise, what he did was he, and the thing that he did was he reasoned it all out. It was not emotionally Okay, charged. I'm going to read it. But I know. Because here's the thing. It's like, it's I think that if you. It's very close to thought speak. If you are in the middle of it, if you're someone who's like putting on Facebook, I'll never go there because he's a, you know, he's just a fat loser. That's one thing versus someone who went and then gives you an entirely structured accounting and reason of why it's difficult for him to enjoy a meal there that's really what it came down to is he as a person it was difficult for him to enjoy a meal there knowing everything that he knows this surprises me though that this is your kind of i'm interested by it because because your i know normal position on something like this would be that it's the mob and you're yeah. always the person that is not interested the in the mob mentality no so maybe because he's articulate, he was able to give you detailed uh, recognition of why he's the mob. I, yeah, and let me put it this way. I don't... I don't. And agree. I can't believe I'm defending... I mean, I'm I the one who's normally in the opposite of like, and I'm people not, are creeps, don't go there. I'm not necessarily saying that this is the right thing. I'm saying this is what's happening. It is a thing. This we're in a moment, we're for watch- sure. We're watching it. And I'm watching it happen, and I'm watching it from a perspective of a professional who is happening within my industry and it's, my genre and it's 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 difficult it's also happening though just to bring it into the bigger context kathy griffith was on um i think stephen colbert just talking about how her life has just been legitimately ruined and she's rebuilding from the incident with her holding up the bloody head of trump which yeah. was in poor taste and probably not well thought well not well thought out but the amount of um Recrimination that she has faced, both from the Secret Service, she's on the no-fly list. Like, she's on the no-fly oh, yeah. list. Oh yeah, she was treated as a treasonous person threatening the president, and it feels a little bit like The Handmaid's Tale, right? And then we have now um, Kevin Hart, who said some um, not so great things about uh, his beliefs about gay people if his son was to be gay. Yeah. But so he can't be the he can't be the host of the Academy Awards from something he said in right. 2002 and has talked about it and and really I mean he wasn't besmirching all gay people he was just saying his personal opinions with his son that is his right I'm a yeah, mom yeah but listen you know I'm a mom of a gay kid I don't agree with them no and plus he's out there publicly making it funny to sort of 
make it terrifying to be gay. And I that understand. is not okay. I'm sorry. That's the least. That is the thing. Of, I, I love Kevin Hart, and I watch his movies. And I, but I mean, I've heard him do that stand up. I heard understand. It, it. And I sat there and I looked at Jake and I was like, "That's real bad." And he's like, "Yeah, that's that's real bad." And I get that it's real bad, but it's also like everyone's in everyone has something that they've done and said that's stupid and so i come I back to this when do we to get to when do you find forgiveness or how do we forgive or how do we move forward and we're just in a moment and yeah. i think we're gonna have to get to the other side and it's gonna be really uncomfortable yeah i, I get worried that we'll probably we, leave it there because well, we're a, not gonna solve the moment no but i also worry that we get into a space where it could still go to higher extremes and i think that we're not really prepared for what that means that means yeah. that if you get if you make one mistake you are fired that's right for and the you're rest, the thought and you're, police and you're the the rest of your life is over that's right so it doesn't matter and so i think we get worried we some people cheer that on and then i don't think they understand that if it works for one side, it works for the other. That's right. And I'm afraid of that. I feel I'm like I'm in The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. And that means that that's just, it's terrifying. So I would say in this Christmas season, moderation, tolerance, and a little bit of, you know. Forgiveness. A little forgiveness and understanding. And humility. Yeah. Humility above all. We'll leave that as a second helping. Okay. This is a summer to stay connected, locally. From the pandemic to protests to the upcoming election, there is so much information to take in. And on PodMN, you can access hundreds of Minnesota-made podcasts on one app. Current events, health information, political talk. Plus, you'll find podcasts about sports, true crime, and more. PodMN also comes with listener rewards. In July, you can win gift cards to local restaurants, shops, and more just for listening. Download PodMN on your phone's app store or learn more by visiting PodMN.com. Minnesota podcasts live here.